Hello and welcome to Stories from the Christmas Story. This is Season 4, Episode 8, The One-Year COVID Watermelon. It's hard to believe that in Alberta it has been one year since we first got the initial lockdown of two weeks to flatten the curve that soon turned into two and a half months of to flatten the curve. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, well, it's interesting going from March 16th to the pretty much to the end of May before we were allowed to stop. <laughs> so, um, let's look back at that. So, I mean, March, I think, 12th or 11th was the actual pandemic declaration day by the WHO last year. So all this stuff and governments generally have done mixed jobs. Like they've been okay in some spots and other spots uh, haven't been. So let's go to the United States, the CDC blocking private labs from doing testing for a few months, which meant that the information about where the pandemic was spreading wasn't correct and therefore couldn't be properly assessed. That, that was really helpful. CDC, good job as well as well as blocking um, various major institutions that could have been doing research, such as uh, the Fort Detrick Medical uh, Center, which was told by CDC, this is not within your purview. Well, yeah, it's not bioterrorism, but they are a lab that's designed to deal with uh, foreign pathogens. And it was a defense of the United States military thing. Then we have um, the miracle of um, Pfizer, AstraZeneca, Moderna, and um, Johnson & Johnson putting out a vaccine in less than a year of time. Like, just within a year, they've developed a, they've all developed their own unique vaccines, as well as other countries have, like China and Russia both say they have their own vaccines. Whether they work or not is a different thing. They might be just as effective. They might have some higher issues uh, that we don't know about because, of course, they're not being deployed in Canada and the United States. Um and we also have the move to finally stop international travel, like which was at the time when they finally went to doing it was useless because it was already, it was already global at that point. Once we knew it was coming out of China, instead of stopping international travel, like oh, it, China's where it's coming from, let's block international travel there. It was, well, Trump tried to do it, which means that it has to be xenophobic. So, you know, dumb uh, relativistic politics took over that and helped make sure the entire world would have it before we started instituting travel restrictions, which could have saved us uh, a lot of problems. Also, the one-size-fits-all attitude of how to deal with this. So everyone has to go into lockdown um, and the creation of the essential worker category. But it, 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 just, it, it shows that government only knows how to see things in one dimension, and they don't understand the nuances of anything. And this is even if the government is your party in charge. For me, it's not, but whatever. And then we have the thing when governments finally are getting around to getting the vaccine. Yes, the vaccine rollout is a, is going relatively okay, but at the start, every government seems to have a problem of too many people locking onto the system, the system crashing, bad wait times, and all this other stuff. It seems like that could have been privately done, handled, and prepared for, and it seems it's just, well, this is the day when we're going to start doing it, and oh, yeah, um, we're not going to tell you what the thing is until the day. It's like, that's stupid, stupid, stupid. But, alas, let us end there with the politics. I recorded one episode uh, earlier on Saturday that was supposed to be this episode, and it just turned into a nightmare after I've, I've recorded it, and then I thought, no, it's not worth it. It went too far into the weeds, and it just it didn't feel uh, 
like was really achieving anything. And there were some complaints on there, like how AHS is getting rid of between eleven and 16,000 positions that are not doctors and most likely will not be nurses, more like support staff, and how QP is talking about it, yet there was evidence of... Uh, in like the QP zone Facebook response, people were saying how the hospitals are dirty. So, so like why would they fire the janitors? It's like, well, the hospitals are dirty. Obviously, you need private janitors and all this other stuff. And my concern about well, it's probably going to fall down to like literally one or two companies that will not compete against each other, which means that the prices will not really. There will be no minimal savings, and probably they'll be connected to somebody in government, which is how they those companies get the job. Just knowing how the corruption in Alberta and Canada goes. Then criticizing, uh, what else was I going after? After, uh, oh yeah, just unionization thing. It's like, well, okay. So, slight side note, um, the Coca-Cola plant in Calgary right now is having a strike because of um, how they don't like how Coca-Cola is bringing third-party contractors to keep up with production, and they don't like how, um, at least their claim is that Coca-Cola was reducing the amount of uh, safeties for their employees to have a better job, to have pension plans, to have time off. Um, they're basically reducing that and replacing those employees. There's 200 and I think like 67 or 2087, no, 267 to 287 employees that are part of the local Teamsters union, blah, blah, blah. And I saw that and I'm like, I don't know enough about this. I would like to see both sides information Obviously, there's our mediation that was going on, and Coca-Cola says it's been like 15 months in argument or whatever, and the union's like, we tried to work hard, but they didn't. There's two sides to every story, and sometimes one side is blatantly lying. I'd like to see more information. All I'm getting is union spokesperson stuff. I'm not getting, uh, I haven't not seen releases from the negotiations. I mean, some of that can't be public, but I think that's the thing. If the union says, oh, we're striking because they're not treating us, well, we'll release the negotiation information. And same with and same with Coke, if the union is lying, release the negotiation information as well. But all in all, if it turns out that Coca-Cola is actually kind of stripping away the protections that they were given, that the employees wanted through their union, I guess I can understand the, the uh, strike. So it was a weird moment when I read that yesterday about the strike at the Coca-Cola plant here in Calgary. I was mixed in it because it's not a public sector union, so I'm kind of like, this is annoying, but at the same time, like, I don't, you know, this is a for-profit corporation that ha is, in my opinion, has gone, according to uh, sort news stories from the U.S., like having that uh, anti, like, the, the reduce your whiteness training which I don't know if that was in plants or if that was only in like distrib or only in like regional headquarters or like, you know, management offices. Says. But still, it kind of seemed like there was a section of Coca-Cola was going woke, but they still won't be with the unions. That is sort of a, unions are sort of a progressivist value, except that I think unions are now starting to realize that the progressive woke movement is much more about uh seeming to be allies and they're more like stealth uh, aircraft sneaking in under the guise of something else and causing it they're more like spies and saboteurs uh, to um, that movement like the union people more often than not union union individuals besides from being unionization are more conservative because they don't want to change too much too quickly 
and the progressives want to change a lot. So we'll see how that goes. And as I said, I'm neutral. If it turns out Coke actually is doing things, the strike may be justified if it turns out that the union officials uh, and the union people, but even though they said, like, of the people working at Coke, 94% voted in favor of um, of striking, which seems like if, like that's like an extreme majority only six percent voted no of the 200 and i think 87 employees only six percent of that 200 so little almost 18 employees said no we're not gonna strike that's huge so approximately 270 voted yeah let's go for the strike and when you start realizing that there's questions that need to be asked. But one one question is, and I don't like to say this too much, is did the union officials direct the thought that maybe there's a strike? Is there information they haven't told their their members? Or is Coke just literally, and their mediating team just literally giving them the middle finger? Again, that's information that needs to come out. And if I was Coke, I'd be releasing all this. And if I was the union, I'd be releasing all of it. This this uh, shadowy game they play where where there's uh, information they don't release, but they say this happened, but they never actually release true data on it. But it, it seems like they get the sympathy from the population about it. I don't like that. Like Disclosure is sort of key here. So tell us the truth. Union or Coke, um, either way would be nice. And if Coke actually is the bad, then, hey, Union, keep striking because... That's your main business. That is exactly what you're supposed to be doing in the private sector. So I can only criticize the union if they're lying, if they're doing the right thing with the right reasons. That's exactly why they exist. So um, whatever. But I, I highly suspect that in the future, Coca-Cola and various other agents, uh, major corporations will continue to move in this direction where they third-party contract various jobs. They're going to try to reduce their their labor connection and yet do... Um, and yet banter and ter, and uh, I get banter is not the thing, but like sort of do virtual sig- virtue signaling to the uh, progressive side of the movement. But you then get it high enough and yet there's still companies that need to make profit. So it's a weird clashing of politics in that one. A weird place to be. <sighs> so let's let's leave that alone. Let's go away from that. Um, now into the good old-fashioned gaming. So I've 100%ed on normal mode. <laughs> um, Hyrule Warriors Age of Calamity. So I've got all the characters unlocked. And I've got, uh, at least in the normal campaign, and I've completely cleared the map to 100%. So <laughs> it's kind of like, oh, what do I do now? I know there's DLC coming out for this, but what's happening next? But I guess I, I'm going to play back and play through different scenarios with different characters because it's fun to do. <laughs> but I, I compared to the 1,000-plus hours of the original Hyrule Warriors, the, f- I don't know, the 50 hours-plus that's gone into Hyrule Warriors Age of Calamity, a little, uh, little less, but it feels about right. It really does feel like it's the right length of the game for what it is. And there's more coming, so I suspect it will probably be good. Nintendo seems to always be very good on DLC. So we'll we'll see what the uh, future of that game holds. 
as well as uh, what else was there? Oh yeah, freaking the uh, if you didn't hear about the EA um, FIFA Ultimate League uh, Ultimate Team scandal going on in the UK, uh, other people have completely reported on that way better than I have. Um, way better than I know about. So like upper echelon, Angry Joe, Angry Joe. Um, Various other organizations have gone after this. It just seems bad. And it proves that loot boxes and how you create artificial scarcity using loot boxes doesn't work out that well. And then we've... Uh, and then I was watching another thing about um, delisted uh, video games where games just cease to exist on digital platforms, which you really think that they should be going forever. Now, there are the arguments of licensing of music and vehicles and design, which is why Ace Combat games can only be for sale for so long, and then they have to renegotiate, which that is understandable. But if there was enough of a sales reason, they probably would keep it going. But I was watching one on Driver San Francisco where like, you literally have to go to a third-party key reseller to get your hands on one or... You have to pirate it, and it's isn't it interesting? The pirates are the ones who are enjoying the game, and apparently it wasn't even on sale for... It wasn't even for sale for as long as it had been in development. Just interesting thing to notice about that. And uh, how Ubisoft said one of the reasons was the community support for the game. That game sold really well, according to... Um, according to Ubisoft, so the fact they sold, started selling it in uh, 2011, they pulled it in 2016. Kind of seems a little odd. That they think that, that because the community support was so good, that's all they were going to get it. But granted, you don't know the story behind the the negotiations that have to be done for the music, for the car designs, for all this other stuff. It's probably not a fun thing to get into, but... Games have come back and been relisted. What's more annoying is when the publisher just loses the license. Since and then it's that's it. There's no like there's no way it can't be sold again. Like how the Transformer games that were published under Activision are just like you if you have them you have them otherwise they just don't exist for sale anymore. And that's that's sad. And it's sort of this weird thing where we're in a digital age or digital distribution is the primary way of getting video games. And yet the game industry and the licensing industry is treating it like we're you're still making a physical disc copy that is finite. There's only going to be so many of those made, and they can be passed around between people, and that that's how the game is going to be passed out. It's sort of a... It's a weird, uh, weird thought where, well, you're only going to print the game for so many years, so once this game's out of print... It'll be on the second-hand market at best. Fortunately, uh, in the late 2000s, so about 2007, 2008, there was that whole push of um, of like one-use installs. Like Ubisoft had it for Anno um, 2070 or something like that, or 2270, where where you could only install it on five rigs, and then you had to contact uh, Ubisoft to get it um, reset. So some companies couldn't even do proper uh, testing on various uh, various spec systems because they were running out, and Ubisoft was like, "No, you gotta pay a fee now to get it remastered." It's like, 
it's this weird thing of you're renting it and then when the license ends, that's just it. And I think game studios as well as um, as well as license holders need to start looking at ways of how to keep the game for sale for e- extremely much longer times without suffering from from licensing issues where they have to pull it away. Like I could still go play um, Need for Speed Most Wanted, um, the second version, the one that was released in like 2011 download that by that so ea still is renegotiated those well apparently so there's there's ways around it by the right guys that being that being said ea has pulled games before but other companies have pulled games and then re-released them in various means there's there's negotiations that can be done that could make that a little bit better for the gamer and it kind of feels bad when a game just like that's it um you, you didn't know it was good during its release window and now it's completely off the market so the only way to get it is to either buy from a shady key reseller if you want a legitimate coffee or copy not coffee copy or you have to uh which this is disappointing you have to be a pirate and i think the, the anti-piracy age is dying again and i think we're gonna see a rise in people pirating both movies tv shows and games because things are getting put behind paywalls. And more you put something behind a paywall, the more willing somebody's to just F, or F around it. And I think copyright laws are going to be um, a lot more challenged on it, where people are going to say, well, you're, you download a pirate version of that game, the company's trying to sue you. You're like, but I can't legitimately buy it. So it's an out-of-print item, which means me pirating it is not a problem because you don't even su- support it anymore. So I, ho- I hope that... Uh, goes to a couple of Supreme Courts, both in the U.S. and Canada, and they ba- the governments basically say, yeah, if it's out of print, it's not piracy. It's the only legitimate way of accessing it. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, let's go on to Super Mario. Playing Super Mario 3D Worlds with the Bowser Fury expansion that was added on the Nintendo Switch. And that is a fun mode. <laughs> uh. That is a very fun mode. About halfway through the entire uh, thing, there's like 100 cat shines to collect throughout the entire uh, area, and I'm only in the second area, so I got a bit more to do. That's a very, very, very fun side game that they've added on. Not really side game, but expansion to it. I hope Nintendo does something more like that, adds more content in that similar vein. That was very, very fun um, I just, I don't know, it just, it was just nice, just very nice, um, what else can I talk about that, um, the main game, still, like, pretty much all the way through, got green stars and everything, but the final, 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 you know, like, area with the one, uh, insanely huge challenge for green stars, and then the, like, boss rush battle mode, which I haven't done yet, that's ridiculously a fun game. And then I started playing... Uh, I've gone back to little... What, not what is it called? Um, Fire Emblem Warriors. I haven't touched that game at all. And then I decided, oh, I'll start playing it. So about every day or two, I play two or three maps, level up some characters, buy some new gear. Every day or two, play a bit more, play a bit more. So it's fun to work on. Um, definitely, definitely, definitely. A long game, and I know it's going to take me a while to get everything unlocked on that. But it's just 
you know, you, you get an urge to go back to these things every once in a while. So you said, eh, yeah, I'll go do it. And I started uh, playing v- Valheim. Valheim. And that was mostly because uh, so f- one of my friends uh, gifted me the game, which I'm very thankful to him for doing that for. <laughs> um, but I watched Upper Echelon's review of it. Uh, not Upper Echelon game, sorry. 21 Kilotons review of it. And I was just... Because I had no idea what it was before watching a video on it by 21 Kiloton, and all of a sudden, I'm just seeing it, and I now get it, and I'm thinking, well, this is like Minecraft, in a way, but also more like um, Ark, but not as dicky that Ark was. So, I was just feeling, yeah, I'll, I'll play this game, sure. I was going to willingly buy it, and I was talking to my buddy on Sunday about it, and he's like, oh, yeah, it's fun here. Me and my, I got a server going with me and my friends. And I'm just like, oh, sweet. I'd love to join in on that. Monday afternoon, come home from work. He's gifted me a coffee. <laughs> I start playing. Oh, but uh, so I, I, I spend time running around, sort of learning the ropes, and I get to the point where I'm able to build a crafting uh, bench, and I'm, like, I'm of course, now I got to find a place to where build a home. Of course, I'm in this hilly up and down. My seat is very hilly and like almost nowhere that's flat. So I go running around trying to find a flat area, and I finally find a flat area that's between the forest and like river slash ocean biome, and build it there. And then I go out and I'm walking and I'm just going east a little bit, and all of a sudden it says, "Warning, you have entered the black forest." And I'm, uh, yeah. I've only been playing the game for just over an hour and I have no idea what I've walked into because I'm playing the game blind. I'm just enjoying it for what it is. And next thing I know, these little uh, gray dwarves are coming out and kicking my butt. <laughs> and I die and I go back and I grab myself. Luckily, like my bed was put down, so it only took me a few seconds to run over to grab my stuff and then go jump back in my house and hide, which my house isn't completely done because I still need some wood to build the roof. <laughs> I haven't even put any floors on the damn thing yet, so... Yeah, work is coming, but it's just so funny how it was. Oh my goodness, what have I walked into here? And then I decide, oh, I need some more wood, so I go out. And now there's a gray dwarf with a who's colored red with a star on. Yeah, I'm not ready to fight him, so I guess I'm gonna have to do get to dodging, uh, blocking, and parrying is probably the only way I'm gonna survive him. Or I'm gonna have to be running around, slapping him, and running around and re-slapping him. Maybe. Maybe go and sneak around and get enough wood so I can actually build a bow to fight him that way. <laughs> I'll have to see. But um, I get the hype <laughs> of that game right away. Ugh. It's not the main game I would play, but uh, I, I, definitely, uh, I definitely get it. Definitely, definitely get it. So, um... You know, the original version of this that just was full of BS that I decided it wasn't worth doing anything. Um, just, I don't know. I guess this is it. A short, nice, little short, sweet episode. I have to stick in it, to it. Like, gotta feel it. I know I didn't put one out last Saturday because I really wasn't feeling it, and that's just me. And I think uh, I, I'm going to keep striving, but ironically pushing it back, not ironically, but pushing it back and deciding, oh, I'll record on Tuesday after thinking my Saturday was a piece of junk. Way more stuff has happened that's way more interesting to talk about. And not just annoying, oh, 
woe is the government, I hate the government, I hate these people, and things like that. It just... It's way less of an annoying podcast. It's more more tame and more calm. So, uh, thank you for uh, tuning in to this one-year COVID water bill, uh, season four, episode eight, recorded on March 16th. Hope you have a good rest of your week, and uh, we'll be back soon. Bye.